Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Bending from the end zone, he throws, and it's a flight away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former Giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender, football, Whoa. football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Rick Buecher. He is Will Blackman, NFL vet, Super Bowl champ. You can see him on NFL Network, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Will Blackman. And we're also joined by... Special guest, Dan Orlovsky, veteran, 13-year NFL quarterback, and now with ESPN as a NFL analyst. Dan, thank you so much. Is there any social media following that we can plug or any other uh, element that you have out there that you'd like our listeners to know about? Uh, what's, what's going on? Good to be with you guys. No, I'm just, I really, I, I use Twitter to kind of interact with people. I think my handle is Dan Orlovsky7. Uh, <laughs> tells you how much uh, in tune I am to it. But uh, I'll tell you one thing, your guys' introductions are great, like Super Bowl champ. Yeah. Uh, Rick, you're all over everything. So uh, it's it's good to be with you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, the reason that I wanted to have you on and then Will. He just, really wanted to have you on. I did. I did. We started talking about you yesterday. <laughs> And then Will kind of like flossed a little bit to show that, oh, 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 Dan Narlovsky, you went like, and then he says, hold on just a second. And then he starts beep, 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 boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Um, <laughs> he did not hear it tone, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those, that telephone sounds like it's from 1981. Yeah, so. right? I know, my goodness. <laughs> or like 2085. There you go. Yeah, it was a, Thank you. a razor. One of the other, but not from the present time. So what the hell was I talking about? Uh, but nonetheless, um, I, I heard you on ESPN Radio on Saturday, um, and I was probably one of, I don't know, seven people who were listening on the weekend because everybody's <laughs> tuned into the, either the Kentucky Derby or NBA playoffs. But you got into something that I just, I think, is not talked about enough, which is sort of the human element of guys having to make the leap in certain situations that I just don't think we take into account. And and that's the a young quarterback coming in and not just being able to play the game, 
but to be able to lead a locker room in the unique ways that a NFL quarterback has to, that I think is unique to the NFL, to the position, unlike an, even an NBA player or a Major League Baseball player coming in. I think it's just the demands are different. And there were questions that were in my head as I'm listening to the radio that I wish were follow-up questions that weren't happening. And so that's in part why I wanted to have you join us on the podcast, because for selfish reasons, I wanted to follow up on some of the things that you said. But as a precursor, you talked about specifically about a young quarterback coming in and having to be both one of the guys and yet also be a leader of the team. And the and explain what you mean by that and, and the challenge yeah. in that. Yeah, I mean, the, the simplest way for me to put it is these great quarterbacks, uh, the guys that we see perform great, also have this great ability to be two people at one time. They can be the guy, meaning they are the guy in that franchise. They are the leader. They are the CEO. They are the starting quarterback. They're one of, you know, really 32 and really one of 15 or 12, if you're talking about the really good ones, and out of 7 billion people in the world. And those guys are very aware of that role, that pillar. And the guys that become great over 12, 15 years, they not only understand that they're the guy, but they're also a guy, meaning they are one of 53. They get everyone to believe that that person's role is as important as their role, and they can fit in with everybody. They can fit in with the 30-year-old who's at home, he's got three kids, he's married, and he's a homebody, he lives a home life, but his, he can relate to that guy. And then he could also relate to the guy who's 21 and newly drafted or to the new to in new into the city. And he wants to go and enjoy the city. He's single. He doesn't have those ties. The quarterbacks that can be the guy and a guy consistently, those guys are the ones that match what they're able to do on the field talent wise and become those quote unquote franchise quarterbacks. So Baker Mayfield is going to the hall of fame. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's those guys. I've been around two guys. I've been around a thousand quarterbacks. I've been around two guys that were really, really great at it. Peyton Manning, and Peyton had this way where he, 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 he had this way of understanding that he was the guy, and he made everyone understand that as well. Peyton had this way of walking around and just asking questions to no matter who you were, player, coach, whatever. He would ask you questions that he knew you knew you didn't know. But just to make sure that you knew, he knew. You know, like that was his right. way of going, I'm still the man. I'm still the quote-unquote sheriff. Hmm. But also had that way of inviting you, hey, we're all going to get together, come to dinner. We're all, we're all, we're all going to, hey, we're all going to go watch the movie. Let's go to dinner. We're all going to go grab a beer. Let's go, let's go together. And he, that was that way of him being the and uh. And then Matthew Stafford was like that too. Matthew Stafford had that great ability, still does, of being the guy and a guy. Hmm. Right. I've, I've been very fortunate to – I got drafted to Green Bay, and we had Favre, okay? Mm. And then Favre left, and we had Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and then I go to New York, and we have Eli. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a couple of training camps in uh, Seattle, and we had Russell. So I know exactly what you're talking about, Dan, in terms of the guy. It was just different literally was like a ceo does russell yeah. fit in that category absolutely are you kidding me well i i mean of all the guys that you mentioned russell and aaron would be the guys would be the first guys that i would wonder 
no question being the guy, being a guy would be my question with, with both of those two guys. And I guess I could see it with Aaron. I just, Russell is so clean cut. He has such a, a clean cut image. If you're talking about the 21 year old who wants to go out and have a few, that's the guy I see him having a hard time relating to. But there's so many different ways you can relate to the 21-year-old. Like that, Those quarterbacks that, that really do a good job of being a guy, they find – it's almost like being married, Rick, and you got to go, okay, my wife this, – this ex is important to my wife, so if it's important to her, it's important to me. And that's you know such an impactful thing in your marriage. It's the same thing when it comes to relating to those guys that are maybe different than you or have different interests than you or lead a different life to you okay, what are the things that are important to you and how do I make sure that it's important to me too? And so maybe it's not Russell going out and, uh, on the town with those guys, but relating to them, yeah. sharing that with them. You know, that those guys, and, and it's funny, Will, that you mentioned those guys because all those guys are what? I mean, really, Hall of Famers and transcendent, you know, franchise-changing guys. But it is right, a, they're all Super Bowl champions. this exactly. is the point. It's hard. It's hard. You, The guys that are really good, more often than not, do one. Yeah. The guys that are great do both. And can you, is that something that you can develop, do you think? Or is it like you kind of have it coming in, and if you don't show it right away, it's, because this is what I consider unique. You get an NBA star, he's a high, a high draft pick, he's guaranteed money, he's got a leash. As I look at quarterbacks, it really is, you make it or you don't. And if you don't in those first couple of years, you're labeled as being one or the other. And it's very rare that I see a guy come back from that. It's almost... It's, so, it, so, yeah, I have an example. I didn't mean to cut you off. But when I was in Washington, mm-hmm. we, had, we had, you know, we had Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stat-wise, I mean, did everything he needed to do. What it was like, what, 4,500 yards and 25 TDs and you know, eight to 10 picks every year, you know, ideal. And did what he needed to do to get that contract. However, to Dan's point, like the guy or a guy, him relating to everyone. I feel like we really didn't know Kirk. Yeah. Kirk came in. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was the first guy there, literally the first guy there, studied, did all his things, trained, ate right, practiced well, did all the things he needed to do. But I feel like we just didn't know him enough for – him to get us where we needed to go. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. No, I no doubt. I mean, I can't yeah. imagine, you know, at 2021 and as you said, you know, and this is what I appreciated what you were saying is is you, you realize you're coming in at 21 and you got to be the guy of guys who are 29, 20, 30, uh, 29, 30 years old who know the league better than you do and um, and have and have just you know, just gone through life experiences that you yeah. you haven't mm-hmm. gone through. So and a difference. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's where I see I see the real challenge. Uh, the question I had for both of you is: so when teams are looking to draft a guy, how much do they consider that ability to be a guy and the guy, and how do you go about determining that? Well, I'll tell you what Cleveland did really quick. Um, so Alonzo Highsmith, one of the executives in the front office, uh, he was actually, him and Dorsey and Elliot Wolf. they were all in Green Bay when I was there. They were part of the team that drafted me. So there's also a story saying that when 
Dorsey was checking, and when uh, excuse me, when Alonzo was checking out a uh, Baker, the one thing that stood out is that Baker had like efficacy. He had the ability to affect everybody else. Did you, Dan? Did you hear that word? Yep. Yeah. I. I mean, that's efficacy. a fucking college private school efficacy. education, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid, bro. Every once um, in a while, Will drops one, one of those on listen, me. Come on, man. I, listen, I stopped reading as soon as I graduated college, so forget about it. <laughs> um, and the ability to affect change. And one thing that stood out was when he went to his pro day, he did some like little chant to his teammates, and they all said it right back to him. And so for them, just to see how he was around everybody else, he lifted everyone's energy. He made everybody better just mm. with his presence and just how he was with them, to Dan's point earlier in terms of being the guy. yeah, That's why they felt like it was a clear-cut leader to pick Baker number one overall. And, I mean, prime example is when he came in, when he came in again after Tyrod went down, I mean, you should have seen just how they followed him right away yeah. for him to come back and win. So that was that's my example, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, to be honest with you, this has been a huge gripe of mine for years is that really the most important thing a quarterback does is without the football. It's all this stuff that we're talking about. Really, to get these guys to go, okay, are they going to be great, blah, blah, blah. It's more important they do without what, what they do without the football. And the NFL, because when it comes to the draft, Mm-hmm. We draft off. We draft. Or people in the NFL draft like how people go grocery shopping. When you go check out at the grocery store, there's all these candy bars that are shiny at the checkout, you know, checkout uh, counter and whatnot. And we look at them and go, "That's not good for me, but it looks good." And I know it's not good for me, but it looks good, and I'm still going to buy it. And we often draft quarterbacks like that. We draft quarterbacks because of what they look like or we have for the past 10 15 20 30 years is like i know that kid's not good for me he's six foot five and he's 230 pounds and man he looks good but he can't lead or he can't think or Hmm. he can't play or he's selfish or he doesn't galvanize people and i know he's bad for me but i'm still gonna buy it because it looks good and we've gotten away from that a little bit you know with the the baker mayfield pick and the kyler murray pick is okay we're not just drafting off what they look like um, but it's a very difficult thing to measure. That that that's why partly because we have some of the misses that we've had in the past as quarterbacks. Again, like a lot of guys can do one and they become good players, but to become the franchise changing guys that we expect them to be when they're top ten picks, you know, I even said today myself, I was blown away that the, the Giants took Daniel Jones at six. Uh just because of for me, I can only watch tape. I don't get to spend time with these guys. But when right. you're hearing people talk about Daniel Jones and him going, this kid can handle the New York market. This kid is a great teammate. He's got, uh, I think we'll use that efficacy. He's got genuine, uh, you know, kind of a genuine personality to him. That is when you realize like, all right, well maybe the giants measured something in him that a person like me or somebody else just can't find on tape. Yeah. See, I just I wonder because the examples of guys that look great in the team picture and they they have the measurables and that you're going to win the press conference with them, like those guys, I get. I wonder if there are teams though that do try to go in the direction of we need the guy who can be the bonding glue, the guy who is 
can be a guy and the guy at the same time and will take a little bit less on the talent level and they lose out going that direction. I just, I wonder, you know, you're going to have swings and misses sure. in both, right? Yeah. And I wonder yeah. how often yeah. teams go the other direction and know those, those are the ones that get panned because they don't understand what we've been talking about and what you brought up, which is they're looking for that guy that may have the more important or has demonstrated the more important ingredient than the, you know, the, the cannon arm that can throw yeah. at 80 yards. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, you know, and Will can vouch for this too, is a lot of times coaches think that they can make somebody something that they're not. And so Absolute you'll fail. draft a guy going, <laughs> uh, th- this, this quarterback, you know, he's really talented. We don't hear great things about him off the field, but we can work on that. Like, we, we can get him to become a leader. Right. Or yeah. uh, this, this guy's a really good leader. But you know what? He makes really bad decisions with the football in the red. But we can work on that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll fix that. And so, again, I don't mean to dumb it down too much, but like that's yeah. why it is so stinking hard to find these guys. Yeah. And when you find them, that's why like you know everyone in the NFL or you know talk, or don't pay, you know don't pay your quarterback, just pay everybody else. And I'm like, wait, what? Like we've gone from this is the hardest position in the in the history of sports to find. To going like oh yeah just just pay anybody and people don't understand like how hard it is to find a guy that can play that can be both the the guy and a guy and still good enough to play on the field that's why you pay those guys that money yeah right I couldn't imagine when Cam went to Carolina there who was the OC at the time was it Chudzinski was there for him to try to make him a true pocket passer and Cam never run yeah. You know, yeah. He, yeah. he they were smart. They were smart. Yeah, they were smart in regards where they took Cam Newton's playbook from Auburn. Like, let's we drafted him because right. of what he did. Right. You know, just just exactly what Baltimore's doing with Lamar Jackson. They're not going to have him sit back there in the pocket and and go through entire reads. And I want to go. I want to get to that next because that was one of the other things, Dan, that I, I heard you bring up. But before we get to that, uh, so what kind of quarterback were you? What well, I mean, in terms of like when you came in. And you were in a couple different places. Did you, what was your evolution? What, where were yeah, you in terms of the question. A guy, the guy? Dan should have went to yeah. the Pac-12. That's what he should. He should well, Pac-10 <laughs> at the time. That's what Dan should have went. It's a great question. So uh, in college, I was both. In college, I was the guy and a guy. And then when I got to the NFL, uh, I still kind of thought that way. And I never had the opportunity to become that. Like my first year, I played very briefly in blowout games. Mm-hmm. Um, my second, but the NFL, I say this all the time as well. Like the NFL ruins most quarterbacks than they are made. And I'm not going to sit here and say I was ruined, but the NFL will, will take, they'll snuff you out a little bit. And, you know, because of me being a fifth round pick and being in a bad situation, in Detroit, like, I do believe that I almost got like my, my, my moxie or my swagger or my, I'm the guy coached out of me in a way because a lot of times it's like, listen, just don't turn the ball over mm. and we'll play good defense and whatnot. And that gets coached into so many young guys. And so I lost that I'm the guy. I was a great uh, guy. I was a great. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Locker room guy. That was important to me. But I, I, I got the I'm the guy kind of coached out of me or, or, or politicked out of me or it became a business out of me. Right. Hmm. You start you start looking at your value to the team as opposed to like you trying to be the man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what yep. happened that's yep. what happened to me in my career. It was like, okay, you know, I go to the Redskins, we you know, we get Josh Norman, we have Breland who's gonna be a free agent. And, you know, I was a corner and it was like, Hey, you know, Will, you have a lot of value. You can play corner if we need to, you can play nickel, you can play safety, you can play dime, you can play returner, you can do all these things. So as opposed to me mentally like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to work to be this Pro Bowl corner. It's like, well, shoot, if I can play this position, then I'm, I can for real play another four years because yeah. of my value. Yeah. I started playing. I started, yeah. like you said, being becoming a businessman. Yeah. The sense that I get is that there's a decision made on you before you soon actually as you walk as soon as you walk in the door yeah that's what i mean that's it's what i mean crazy. it's not it's not they put you out there and they they run you through a few things and they and they they assess you once you're wearing their uniform they're assessing you at the combine they're assessing you off your tape when you when you actually sign on the dotted line they already in their mind have kind of your ceiling and your basement structured in their mind is that fair to say i mean is that was that your experience Oh, I, I would say absolutely. You you get pegged very quickly in the NFL, and and you know I want to be honest and transparent as well. I was a backup quarterback. You know that's what I in the NFL, and and a lot of people like sometimes on Twitter or whatnot, like people will say to me like, "Hey Dan, why didn't you make it?" And my thing is always like, you know, not in like a I got offended way, but I'm like, I. I I was one of the top 60 people in Dude, the world. Dude, you made for yeah, exactly. Years. You made it. <laughs> yeah. You made it. Like, you made you it know, thir- for 13 right. years? Dude, you got paid to yeah. play your sport. So, you you freaking yeah, made so, it. Um, <laughs> but th- yeah, they they kind of uh, it, a, a lot of it depends on the organization and the coaches and whatnot, but uh, you certainly will get labeled and pegged as okay, this guy is this. And you know, uh, 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 again, I don't know if an organization got me wrong. You know, an organization saw me as a, a backup quarterback, and that what I, that's what I was. Uh, but I'm sure they, they miss on some other situations as well. Right. All right, one of the other things that I wanted to get into that you talked about was the – and again, I just it, it's something that you kind of know, but you put it in terms that really brought it home, which is the complexity of a, an NFL playbook and that as a quarterback, again, and I think some of this is the dynamic of we have these guys, you know, the, the, the old school was you were going to sit for a year or two before you played, and which would give you time mm-hmm. to learn the playbook and to see it in practice and to kind of absorb it and how whatever the best way was for you to learn it. Now it's like, nah, the clock's ticking as soon as you freaking put the pads on. So... Explain again, you you the way you described what it's like to get an NFL playbook for a a guy coming straight out of college and and gets his first playbook and let's say you're a Deshaun Watson and you're suddenly going to be playing or, or Russell Wilson 
You know, especially let's say a Russell Wilson, you're coming out of training camp. What's that like for him to absorb what, that that playbook, regardless of where he played in college? Yeah, uh, you know, like so. My analogy is always everyone goes well. It's like learning a new language, and sure, that makes a lot of sense. But with quarterback, it's not about just learning a new language. It's like taking somebody who, all right, Will and I were born in New England, right? So we are, you know, uh, we're Americans. We only know English. At least I do. Okay, so I've I've been. Uh, I've only spoken English my whole life. Now imagine taking me and dropping me in the middle of Japan, and I have to speak Japanese right now for me to function in my life. It's not only me learning a new language, I have to own that language and master that language right now, or I'm going to be in a really bad place in my life. Like I, I can't function every day if I don't do that. And not only do I need to learn that right now, I need to forget the English because that doesn't help me anymore. And so that's what it's like when you go to the NFL as a quarterback. It's not just learning a new language. It is completely understanding and being able to communicate that new language in a very short period of time and forgetting your old language. And that's the challenge that these guys have. It's not just learning it. It, it is being able, and, and think about that. Like if you took if you took a, a, a person who only knows English and dropped them in a foreign-speaking country who, and they don't have any understanding of that language and going, all right, later, like, good luck. Okay, you know, like, so That's what playing quarterback is like. So there's there's getting dropped in, say, a Spanish-speaking... You, you, you at least took, like, one Japanese class. You've had to <laughs> take one before no, you went man. to Japan. I failed because... Spanish. You know, I failed Spanish three years in a row in high school. Well, I was just gonna say that's because you couldn't get that New England accent, right? You kept instead of (laughs) kept saying "traba traba ha." (laughs) (laughs) But there's there's there is there's being dropped into a Spanish speaking country, and then there's being dropped into like Russia or or an Arabian country, like where it's none of it makes it does there's no correlation i gotta think there was there's Mm -hmm. at least a little bit of correlation there's there's you're recognizing certain things right or no no because i mean a perfect example i just spoke with matthew stafford who's going into i think is his 10th or 11th year and he's learning new ways to call basic defenses that he's seen a thousand times in the nfl because his offensive coordinator knows an under front, meaning, hmm. hey, the, the nose tackle's shaded on the center, and then to the, to the strong side, there's a three technique, meaning their defensive lineman's on the guard, and then there's a, a five technique, meaning there's a guy on like, the tackle at the center. Matthew's always called that under front. Now he's got to call it a 25 front because they <laughs> – so, like, you're getting a veteran quarterback having wow. to learn – different ways to call something he's called something (laughs) his whole life and so imagine a rookie quarterback because again coaches have certain ways to call plays and they also have certain ways to coach plays. so your 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 play where it's it's a you know a shallow cross and a 10 yard in route might be called right a high drive and then it might be called bingo cross and then it might be called drive and then it might be called high low and then it might be called level (laughs) It, it just Again, and so you you you're you're forgetting old and learning new, and yeah. that's why the whole that's why I try to use that language analogy. It's like, hey, there you go. And and by the way, you can't just know this on paper. 
you have to know this when you're going to get punched in the mouth 65 times by 300 pounder. Right. And by the way, you better be perfect at it. Yeah. Oh, even even worse, you got a running back behind you who's learning the language too, asking you, "What does this mean again?" <laughs> <laughs> so I I've been in a similar uh, situation. So mm-hmm. I go to Green Bay, and I have Bob Sanders as my coordinator, and we played press quarters the whole time. Then I go to New York. We did not play press quarters. We play a lot of three, a lot of two, you know, a couple of nickel blitzes. Then I go to Seattle, and it's man in cover three, bail, no pressing. Well, a little bit of press. So fortunately for that, I go to Jacksonville. It's the same defense because Gus Bradley was in Seattle. Then I go to Redskins, completely different defense there. Another coordinator with Joe Barry. And then I had my cup of coffee literally in another country in Canada. <laughs> oh, yo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was a whole yeah. different ball game. So I, I feel you on that. I, I So right now, it's like you can throw any defense at me and I can run it. So fluent. share a story with you about – you guys remember the old coach uh, Larry Brown, right? NBA coach? Sure. Yeah. So he used to change his playbook throughout the course of the year. like, And they'd have the same names for the plays, but the plays would be completely different. In Philly, he did this. He did it in in Indiana. Indiana. Okay. Because the story is there was was a point there was a point where uh, just because he teams scout and you call out a play and they think it's going to be one thing and now it ends up being something else and so he liked changing it up to screw with the other team and so they were in a playoff game at one point and he says okay let's run two so they break they're walking and Reggie goes is that the old two or the <laughs> the new two or the old old two yeah. like he had like yeah. three different ones and he said yep. and it was like it was the old old two it was like it was it wasn't even the most current current version of it or whatever he was having a, a memory lapse with, first of all how, how was he coaching basketball in italy then that, that's literally another language. yeah no kidding <laughs> well over there you know that it, it, that's where we're we're lazy Americans because most of you them tra- speak, you get a translator right yeah and most of them can speak English like I always feel yeah. bad about that like so many people who English is their second language and we're just we just assume we we travel the globe and we just expect people to speak our language even though we're in their country but I'm mm-hmm. getting a soap a soapbox here oh uh, for you Will so defensively kind of circling back to the whole a guy the guy thing do you have the same thing on that that side of the of the ball i I would think it's a little less pronounced but i would think that there's still somebody who has to be the guy and a guy to bring it all together on the defensive side well yeah i think it's just like the general consensus like you you know just watching film just who's like legit you know but yes the defense there's there's guys that you are worried about and there's guys where you're like i'm not concerned at all you know we know we have to line up and we see Aaron Rodgers over there he can win or lose the game for them we know that with just one throw roll to his left and do whatever he wants which is really uncharacteristic you know I'll bring up Cam if Cam is not running the ball and I feel like if he's sitting there and got to pat the ball and go through his reads I think we're going to be fine hmm. you know it's, it's it's little things like that where um, we just know same thing. Russell, he can win the game wherever he wants to win it. Hmm. You know, uh, um, I want to go back to where I was with like Favre. He, he was a type of quarterback we knew as a defense that we're never going to be out of the game, no matter what. 
And that's kind of when I learned that young, I learned that early in my career. And I was like, man, that's that's what you have. So I've been around, like I said, with Aaron, I never felt like we were out of a game. I felt like some way, somehow, if, say if we were down by 15, that he was going to figure it out because he was the guy. Hmm. I had, you know, I had playoff Eli. <laughs> and I knew some way, some way, somehow he would figure it out because he was, the, in a different way, he was the guy. Interesting. You know, so. Um, the other element I, I wanted to ask you, Dan, is when you are, and we'll, we'll wrap up with this, when you're watching a quarterback play, can you tell when he's struggling with the language versus he's struggling with the read? Do you know what I, if, I, if, if I'm presenting that correctly? There's, just, there's times where I see guys and I can tell that they don't see the field as well as somebody else. But sometimes I don't know how much of that is they're already crossed up because they're not they're not com- comfortable enough with the language of what they just gave in the in the huddle versus what they're seeing in front of them. Yeah, I mean, more often, if a guy is struggling with the language, that that is going to be something that's obvious at all times. I mean, it's going to be obvious him sitting under the center or in the shotgun. You can just watch a guy. Uh, it, it's almost like um, I'm trying to you know kind of correlate it or analogize it to a way where it, it would make some sense to people. It's almost like if you're watching, whether it's real life or a movie, like a guy go talk to a girl, you can tell by the guy's walk <laughs> or heading over there if he's feeling good or not. Like if he's confident in what's it, what's about to be said by him or whatnot. And you can tell when a guy probably doesn't have a chance. That's what it's like when you watch a quarterback. You can tell pre-snap, you know, how just uh, their comfort and their posture, where their eyes are going. Yeah. Uh, the, the the inflection of their voice, like you can tell if a guy's comfortable with the language. The read stuff usually happens. It, here's the thing that gets lost a little bit: quarterbacks fooled on reads, not often, but they get fooled on reads because some defenses are just good. the The reality is, and this is what gets lost on some people: most quarterbacks don't make a lot of bad reads. What happens is because of pressure they panic and make the read. The read is forced to be made sooner than they want. And so sometimes it's a guess. The read is a guess because of that pressure. That's why the greatest attribute for a quarterback is what you do under panic. Um, And so I don't think there's a lot of points to, uh, or a lot of moments where you go, man, this guy just is not making the right read. Most starting quarterbacks make it right. Uh, It's just um, doing it on a consistent basis. But I would say more, understanding pre-snap and then what they do in panic because panic is more the reality than non-panic that makes no it does because watching i remember before the patriot game for super bowl rams and patriots the bears game versus the rams they went after golf and it was just yeah just a massacre yeah and i was like dude belichick's gonna watch that tape and it's it's over for the rams all right so I'm I'm not spring. I hope I'm not springing this on you, but it just crossed my mind because I think one of the Twitter beefs that you had was actually with Jeff Schwartz, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Me? Yes. Am I correct on this? And it, over uh, over Josh Rosen? No, no, no. It wasn't with Jeff. It was with um, I believe Omar Kelly, maybe. Okay. 
But it was usually because Jeff and I are close, so I, I try not to call him out on the stupid stuff he says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, what was it about? What do we got? It was um, well, it was it was about how Josh, if I'm not mistaken, how Josh was handling the Kyler Murray drafting. Am I wrong on this? Okay. And I and I felt like no, Jeff. You were in the camp. You were in the more of the Steve Smith camp of, hey, it's competition. Like, dude, like, just man up and no, and I was, I was, no, I okay. was in the complete opposite camp. Okay. I thought what Steve Smith, and all due respect to Steve, I thought what Steve was said was a bunch of one misled baloney. I was okay. actually Will, Will called me about it. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I was on the beach in Maui, and I was like, I gotta call somebody. I'm calling Dan. I have to vent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I just, I, I thought, like, you know, uh, I, I actually thought that Josh handled the situation incredibly well, and it's, it's so uh, kind of short sighted to be like, oh, man up and just compete. Uh, uh, the kid did that. Like, you know, he 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 did that, and uh, I, I thought he handled the whole situation incredibly well. But it's not as simple as like, he, he didn't whine. Never once did he whine. He actually did the exact opposite. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we're in the same camp, and I was I was mistaken. It must have been something. You and Jeff got into something. It just, I it it I remembered it. They're like brothers. They always bicker, but they love each yeah. other. Yeah. And I think no, I knew it was I knew it was good spirited, which is why I brought it up. It was if it yeah. was if it was yeah. really I've, like I heated. I, I don't remember have. what it was. Maybe he like overvalues guard play more than I do or something. Oh, well, you that's for 100% sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, there's there's little, no one values guard play more than Jeff Schwartz. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, just really this really good offensive line. All right, great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. This was uh, this was a real pleasure and I uh, keep up the great work. I I really enjoy uh your work sincerely. Thank you, man. I think thank you, you talked about I appreciate the right it. I'm, stuff. I'm, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was it was it was a lot of fun. You guys are great. All right. Well, maybe we'll when I, when I figure out what it was that what the beef was, maybe we'll bring you back on and we can talk about that. Well, the great thing about social media is I'm sure someone was going to remind you about you know about it very quickly and then kind of inject their own belief yeah, into no it and then tell somebody how stupid they are and yep. all that stuff. So yep, yep, exactly. All right. Well, hey, listen. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. And. Um, that's it for Buker and Blackman, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Remember, um, please rate the show wherever you get your podcast, iTunes or wherever. And then if you want us to do something for you, screenshot the review. Uh, if it's just the stars, that's fine. And we will uh, make you eligible for some prizes. All right. That does it. For Will, for myself, in the next podcast, I'll be joined by Adam Zagoria. He is covering the college basketball corruption case for the New York Times in New York about Sean Miller and the University of Arizona. And we talked about why nobody cares about about all of that and more. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.